TJ Hawkinson is now the highest paid tight end in the NFL, technically. Did Quasi make the right move? Let's dive into it on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, liked it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. An easy task, I think, today. You can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is anywhere where you listen to shows, including SiriusXM, we're partnered with them, Amazon Fire and Roku, just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app, or just pop on over to YouTube. Uh, leave a comment if you are a hashtag every day, or those of you who do listen to this show every single day, make it your first listen of the day. I appreciate y'all so much. I love hearing from you. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today on the show, guess what? TJ Hawkinson is here to stay. It's not just a one- or two-year rental with a franchise tag. He signs a real deal. He is locked up with the Vikings through 2027. So... Here are the contract details that you need to know. I'll go over the uh, actual structure of the deal and kind of the objective information, and then we can kind of discuss, okay, was this smart, actually? Did, did Quasi do the right thing here? Has this whole thing been smart, or did they perhaps overpay? Was it worth it? And what exactly does this mean for the Vikings offense going forward? Um, but first, all right, so the whole deal is worth $66 million over four New years, so additional years. So he signed through 2027. If you want, you can add his $9 million cap, uh, dollar cap hit this year and call it five for 75. But in terms of new money, $66 million over four new years could go up to $68.5 million. So you have $2.5 mil in incentives that could be met as well. Um, in terms of cash flow, he gets $32 million over the first two years of, I believe that is of, of those four new years. So he'll get $32 million in new money between now and 2025, and then by 2026, he'll get uh, $48 million. And he's got $29 mil guaranteed at signing with a $42.5 million total guarantee. Now, uh, all of that is, feels like a whole bunch of money, um, in terms of the actual numbers. I think the best way to do this is as percentage of cap. Uh, I just finished doing the, uh, Minnesota football party, which is out before this podcast will be out. So you can go listen to that for, um, Arifa Sun explains that whole thing, but basically the cap goes up every year, right? So, so spending $10 million on something this year is a smaller burden than spending $10 million on something in say 2020 when Travis Kelsey signed his deal. Um, you can't really compare those contracts apples to apples. You have to sort of adjust for the fact that everyone's got more money to spend now so they can afford to give guys more money and it actually isn't the same actual burden. Because what we care about with the salary cap is not necessarily who is making too much money or not enough money. It's about how much it affects our favorite team's ability to sign other guys and you know pay Justin Jefferson, get a quarterback, whatever they're trying to do with it. Um, so in terms of that, you should go with percentage of cap in the cap environment that they were signed in. So what is the percentage of the salary cap that TJ Hawkinson costs in 2023 versus the percentage of salary cap that Travis Kelsey's cost in 2020? That's going to be the best way to compare exactly what burden these players are uh, inflicting on their teams, right? Year four of, of Kelsey's contract isn't going to feel as bad for the 
Chiefs as year one of somebody else's or year two or three of somebody else's contract. It's going to feel a little bit different, um, which is why you kind of have to uh, adjust this way. And if you do that, TJ Hawkinson ranks sixth. And I think calling him the sixth best tight end is is conservative at worst, uh, if not just straight up an underrated thing. So what I'm going to say about this deal for me, just vibes wise, feels like fair money. Feels like doesn't really feel like TJ Hawkinson worked one on the Vikings. Doesn't really feel like the Vikings worked one on Hawkinson. It feels like he's a properly compensated tight end that offers a lot to the team. Um, if you want a structured guess, I don't have the full structure here, but with those details, you can hazard a decent guess. And what I'm going to do now is uh, steal one from Nick Olson, who put together a pretty good guess uh, based on all of that information that I said in terms of cash flow and guarantees and all that stuff. Um, that has the Vikings giving him a $10 million signing bonus, which actually I don't even think has to be that high. This is one of the things that I could, that the Vikings could, could approach differently. And this is what Nick just kind of has to guess about. Um, but it gives him a $10 million signing bonus vet min base salary this year. So essentially you're just converting his entire salary to signing bonus and then, um, giving him more base salary in future years. But that gives him that, that would bring down his cap number in 2023, to about $3 million. So instead of making, instead of costing nine, he costs three because of the way signing bonus works. Um, and then in future years, his cap numbers would be like 16, 18, 18, 20. That's the way that Nick put it together. Now, I don't think you have to backload things that much. Um, you could say not do a signing bonus at all. Uh, or you could do a much smaller signing bonus where you don't bring down TJ Hawkinson's cap number. They do have some cap space this year. They don't necessarily need to make more. If they are making more, it means they're trying to front load Justin Jefferson's contract, which also sounds like a pretty good idea. So I, I think it's just a matter of preference on that. Um, in terms of guarantees, he's fully guaranteed this year. He's fully guaranteed next year. I would expect that that is the case. And then in 2025, he's functionally guaranteed with what are called vested guarantees. So vested guarantees are a weird thing. Um, but you can think of vested guarantees and fully guaranteed money as exactly the same thing for like functional purposes. But if you're curious, the difference is this is the thing where like in March of 2024, his 2025 money becomes guaranteed and you'll never cut him in 2024 because there'd be so much dead cap anyways. Uh, and why would you cut a guy one year into a five-year extension, you know, or a five-year contract like before the extension even kicks? That's never going to happen, right? So it's fine that he's, you know, so so he's 100% sure to be on the roster for that guarantee to vest, meaning 2025 money completely guaranteed. I would guess that Nick is right here. Um, that he, this is, I mean, obviously this is all just sort of speculation. I don't have the full contract details in front of me right now. I'll update you on those when they come out. Um, but the reason that it works like that, instead of just being another year of fully guaranteed money is, uh, cash flow reasons that you don't really have to care about it has no material impact on the salary cap. But when you guarantee a player a bunch of money, you have to put that money aside into escrow, kind of the same way like if you're buying a house. You have to put that money aside in escrow so that if your business goes under, right, or if you have a Raiders-y thing or you have to suddenly are in a whole bunch of financial dire straits, um, that that player still has access to that money. So you have to put it away in escrow. And putting most of a fully guaranteed thing in escrow financially is not quite as uh, profitable. So an owner might want to do this vested guarantee thing so they can say, okay, we'll put some of your money aside now, put the rest of your money aside next year. You're still going to get it when you're scheduled to get it. It doesn't change anything in the, in the, in the cash flow. It basically just like changes how the wills do their taxes and how much they can invest in stuff. You do not have to care about it unless you really, really want to nerd out. 
Um, but I, I guess that's something that bears mentioning. But this particular structure, and, and I think it's it, it satisfies everything and feels like a very Brzezinski contract, means the Vikings could theoretically release or trade Hawkinson um, in 2025. It wouldn't be a good idea, but they could if he's just like totally flaming out or something like that. That kind of becomes the first out, but it's a really inefficient one. And then once he gets to the last two years of those of this contract, 26 and 27, then we start talking about, okay, he has basically no guarantees left. Um, he's probably going to want more, uh, more contract security. And you can either use that to convert some of his money into guarantees, but make it a smaller number overall. You can restructure. That's when void years start getting... Uh, start start becoming a, a a factor, or if you're not happy with this contract, that's when it becomes pretty easy for him to become a cap casualty. And the last year or two of the contract is sort of fake. Um, so one way to look at this kind of deal, and when the real structure comes out, we'll do this for real. But let's say 2027 doesn't happen. 2027 would be a year where he has no guarantees, and the Vikings would pay him either 20 million dollars or cut him and save all but two of that. Um, so that becomes like, oh, wow, he becomes this really easy cap casualty thing. Now, the way that the Vikings tend to operate, it never gets to that point. But let's say that happens and you and you just say, let's say this is really a three-year deal worth $46 million um, of new money. That might functionally be closer to the way this actually plays out. Uh, and suddenly that doesn't feel so bad, right? Interestingly, the average annual value of this brings Hawkinson to $17.125 million per year if you count the incentives, which I don't think you necessarily should, but that probably looks good for the agent, which is why which is why it's reported that way. So that's the deal. Was it a good idea? We're still paying market rate, ton of money for a tight end. Is, are tight ends even worth that? And is TJ Hawkinson himself one of those tight ends? That's going to be the thing we have to dive into next. But hey, you might want to gramble on TJ Hawkinson. Maybe you want to lay down a bet on touchdowns or uh, now that they've made this big commitment, you think, man, they're going to target him a lot. He'll get a lot of yards. Whatever it is, you can find it at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet just $5. Go do a $5 TJ Hawkinson prop bet as a celebratory thing, and you can get 200 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads, player props, futures bets, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Vikings podcast every single day. We have so much stuff coming up on Lockdown Vikings. You may have already seen it, especially if you're on YouTube. We have the NFC North preview. So I got together with uh, Lockdown Bears, Packers, Lions, Lauren Cox, Peter Bukowski, and uh, Matt Derry. We all got together and talked about some topics of the NFC North. Who's the best quarterback? Who's going to be the team that maybe sneaks into the playoffs that didn't before? Uh, you know, who is the worst team in the division? All of that stuff. We had all these little debates, and they're going to come out in a series on this very podcast feed. So that'll be around all week, uh, as well as, of course, your normal Locked On Vikings. Um, so you get you get, you get get to a day for a little while here, heading into the season. Lucky you guys. Um, moving on, though. So the 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 main thing, I, I like this deal. I think it's fine. Um, I, I don't think that they necessarily overpaid. I don't think they got a phenomenal deal or anything like that. Um, it was basically expected, and I think not extending TJ Hawkinson would have been a huge miss. So I, I guess that's my emotion about this is, yeah, 
I expected you to do this, and if you didn't do it, it would have been a big problem. So yeah, I guess you could say I'm happy about it. In the same way, you were probably happy when the Minnesota Golden Gophers will beat the crap out of, like, Western Illinois, right? Like, of course they did. <laughs> um, but I, I think the biggest pushback that I've seen is not necessarily saying, well, TJ Hawkinson isn't good. You have to, like, try really hard to say TJ Hawkinson isn't good and, and to dismiss the impact that he had on the Vikings offense, which I will get into if you're looking for some ammo to, to argue with your, your Lions fan buddy that's, uh, you know, being bad faith about it. But really, it's just this, this idea of positional value, I guess, with tight ends has been devalued because of like war or whatever. Um, and, and I want to push back on that a little bit because the value of a tight end to me is in their versatility. And that means that a lot of the time they will do a job that is less valuable. So in general, right, if you want to talk the the sort of analytics talking point um, is that passing is more valuable than running. And I don't think anybody, no matter how much of a chalkhead they are, is going to disagree with that, right? Of course, passing gets more yards than running and is more valuable, and it should kind of be the goal is to get your passing game going. And the run game can be part of an avenue to that or a complement to that and can kind of have its role elsewhere, right, in the game. Um and so you kind of look and you say, well, why would I ever pay a tight end? Why don't I just pay another wide receiver? Because I want him to be passing more. And the answer is, is versatility. Every defense is different, right? There is not really a lot of homogeny, uh, hom hom homogeneity in, what is the word? In defenses, right? They're not all the same. Uh, and some defenses are built to be very fast and are therefore very small. Some defenses are built to be a little more old school with big thumpers and they play things a little more straight up. And if you've got a really fancy east west offense, you might be able to run around them, right? Or if you want to go super deep like the Miami Dolphins do, you can do that with Tyree Kill and J Jalen Waddle. Um, but the value is in having options, in having a resiliency to all the different looks that you're going to see. If you want to go up against a really fast-flying, hard-hitting offense of little torpedo guys, and you really just kind of want to line up and hit those guys in the mouth and not try to make them, you know, not, not try to test them at what they're best at, which is flying from one end of the field to the other, but instead say, nah, we're going to line up in 12 personnel with two tight ends, maybe even a fullback on top of it. We're going to run, you know, power, power run all day, or we're going to run, you know, straight up the gut kind of vanilla zone runs all day. And we're just going to out muscle you. And we're going to get four yards of carry. And we're going to do that over and over and over again until you can't stop it. Maybe one of the best examples of a game like that, the Vikings were on the wrong end of, which was 2019 in the playoffs against San Francisco, uh, where now it's Kyle Shanahan actually said on a on a podcast series by Jordan Rodriguez called The Play Callers, which is phenomenal, by the way. And there's some Kevin O'Connell in there, too, and a little bit of Kirk Cousins talk, if you're interested. Um, highly recommend. But he said, like, yeah, I just realized they couldn't stop the run, so I just kept calling runs even though it wasn't optimal to. And guess what? We scored touchdowns on, on drives where we only called run plays. You can go rewatch the game. They did not pass, and they scored touchdowns. Um, that is part of what the run game can be, but mostly it's also it's, it's a compliment, right? In a world where, man, they've got just the perfect defense to stop our pass defense or to stop our pass offense. Let's say they do it. They, they can bracket Justin Jefferson perfectly. They've got a corner that can cover Addison. Um, you know, they, they are getting pressure on Kirk Cousins and the, the pass game is being shut down. What are the odds that that style of defense also has the perfect tools to, to stop the run game, right? If we have a good run game, if we have somebody like TJ Hawkinson who can be involved in both. And if you have somebody that can be involved in both, it opens up play action. And that's really the deceptive element that we're after here is 
if you can be a positive asset in the run game and be a blocker, and TJ Hawkinson is, he's more of a pass catcher than he is a blocker. He's more famous for that, but he's a good blocker. Like there's, he's no slouch as a blocker. Uh, and then also become the number two receiving option on the offense, which is what he was last year with Adam Thielen declining and, and KJ Osborne being fine, but still, you know, it was just KJ Osborne. TJ Hawkinson was the guy that became the focal point in the offense. If you were doubling Justin Jefferson, that was the last half of the year last year. That's what happened in the playoff game against the giants. The other game against the giants. Um, that's what happened in a lot of games where if you doubled Justin Jefferson, you were getting punished with a dig over the middle by TJ Hawkinson, who is fast enough to run that downfield and be where he's supposed to be on time. And also he can block. Having all of those tools in your bag and being able to have an answer to a lot of different things is ultimately going to make this greater than the sum of its parts. That is what tight ends are for. It's what they do on NFL offenses. It is important that they do both, right? The reason you pay a tight end is because it costs more to pay a wide receiver and a tackle to do the same thing. That is why you pay a tight end, and and so that you don't have to change your personnel out all the time. If you want to run the ball, TJ Hawkinson's out there. If you want to pass the ball, TJ Hawkinson's out there. Now they cannot look and say, wow, 87's out there. This is going to be, you know, this package or that package. He's part of all the packages. They have to look elsewhere for their tell. That is part of the value as well. But you have to be good at all of those things, and TJ Hawkinson is good at all of those things. Um, tight ends can be, you know, matchup guys as well. If you get TJ Hawkinson on their slow Sam linebacker, you know, their Jordan Hicks versus our TJ Hawkinson, that's a matchup that can be exploited. It can also be exploited if you get them on their tiny slot corner, right? TJ Hawkinson bodying, you know, their, their Mike Hughes type, their Shannon Sullivan type in the red zone. Um, that's why tight ends are, more valuable than I think their money is. And look, money has exploded, right? Wide receivers, even if they're not that good now, make $20 million a year. And it's just the way the cap is. The 20 million is now a normal number for a wide receiver to make. Learn to accept it, right? Even if they're not, you know, Jamar Chase or Justin, Justin Jefferson is going to blow that out. He might make 30. Uh, and that's going to be proper. Like that's appropriate. And with the way the wide receiver market has exploded, tight ends haven't really caught up. The highest paid tight end now makes 17.1 makes less than Christian Kirk, makes Hunter Renfro money. Um, I think I saw somebody say like that is a, a market inefficiency. And with market inefficiencies, there's interesting ways to, to think about them. In an economic sense, a market inefficiency just kind of means that, hey, these things are being sold for less than what they're worth or more than what they're worth, right? If suddenly there is this really big um, I mean, uh, like the biggest one is like stocks, right? Or even if you think about like cryptocurrency, right? Hey, man, Bitcoin is going for way more than I think it's going to be worth in two weeks. I'm going to sell my Bitcoin, right? That's the the way that these kinds of things work. And they they function a lot uh, as as a stock in, in the economy right now. Um, but if you just see, man, people just aren't really as interested in buying Teslas as I think they should be. And I think what, what I think a Tesla is worth is not what that Tesla is actually going for. That's going to make you buy that Tesla, right? And you can think of it in the same way with tight ends. Tight ends are providing this amount of value, and they're not really getting paid for it. So why don't I get the guy that's one of the best at providing that particular value? And even though I have to pay top dollar for it, that's okay, because paying top dollar for a tight end is still efficient. If, I, if you think about who... TJ, if you, if you uh, compare TJ Hawkinson and all the tight ends 
to receivers, right? Would you rather have, just as a pure receiver, forget that he's blocking. We're being unfair to TJ Hawkinson now because we're getting rid of one of his skill sets that makes him valuable. And compare him to Christian Kirk in terms of average annual value, right? TJ Hawkinson is cheaper than Christian Kirk. Which one would you rather have in your passing offense? I would rather have DJ Hawkinson. And once you fold in the blocking ability, I would very much rather have TJ Hawkinson than that. And that Christian Kirk deal isn't an outlier anymore. This is just what wide receivers are getting paid. So getting a good receiving option via the tight end avenue allows you to get a cheaper receiving option that also provides something else to you without having to go into the craziness of the wide receiver market beyond what we're going to do for Justin Jefferson. We're already doing that for one guy. We're definitely not going to be able to do it for a second guy. Now we've got a an Addison on a rookie deal, and we've got Osborne. We'll see if Osborne stays on the team in future years, I think. Um, once we got Hawkinson and, and Addison, that kind of put that in a lot of jeopardy. Question for next February or March. We don't have to worry about it now. Um, it is an offense we can be excited about, I think. And that is the way that they've managed to find multiple viable receiving weapons I'm being a little presumptuous with Addison, but I liked what he did in camp in the preseason, so I'm okay with that. But multiple viable receiving options without having to pay Justin Jefferson money for all of them. They only have to pay Justin Jefferson money for one Justin Jefferson. That's the 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 thesis here. How did the Vikings use that tight end, in particular in the run game, to blast over all of these tiny little defenses, right? Um, that is going to be a little bit more of a schematic discussion, and I want to transition into that next. But if you want tickets to the next Vikings game, hey, it's like pretty last minute if you wanted to get a, uh, tickets to a Bucks game, but game time is here for you. They have flash deals on last minute tickets for not only football games, but basketball, baseball, concerts, theater, you name it. And they have a game time guarantee. That means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section, in the same row for less, game time will give you 110% of the difference back. They'll give you a little bit of extra just for your trouble. And you can get pictures of where your seat is at, so you can make sure you're not stuck behind a pillar. Not a problem at U.S. Bank, right? Every seat in the house is good, but hey, it's not just U.S. Bank. You can get tickets to other games if you're going to go on a road game. Maybe you're going to do a Vegas trip this year. Game Time can be there for you. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for 20 bucks off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Moving on. So the Vikings have a strong 12 personnel package, right? TJ Hawkinson, Josh Oliver, Justin Jefferson, either Osborne or Addison, whichever you prefer. Uh, and then whichever running back you got, probably Alexander Madison, right? That's their 12 personnel. Um, really strong run game, right? With how good of a blocker Josh Oliver is supposed to be. They also have a 21 personnel run game which has uh, swaps out Josh Oliver for CJ Ham, right? Now, let's say you're a defensive coordinator. You're preparing for the Vikings, and you want to know, all right, if CJ Ham goes out and Josh Oliver comes in, are we going to make a substitution, right? Or are we going to leave the same guy in for both of those guys? A valid question, and I'm sure each team will have a different answer to it. Some teams won't, some teams will, some teams have this guy for that guy or that guy for this guy. So let's say they are going to substitute, right? And let's say, man, we got a perfect dude to match up with CJ Hamm and a perfect dude to match up with Josh Oliver. And it's not necessarily just like a coverage thing, like we've, oh, we've got the right size linebacker. It's more of, well, when they have CJ Hamm, they run these plays, and I like this player on these plays. When they have uh, Josh Oliver, they run maybe more outside zone plays. They stretch it out a little bit more, so we want someone faster. So what if we go bring a faster guy on the field and say, 
oh, that's Josh Oliver. 84 is on the field. Hey, let's go send out our faster linebacker. That's maybe a little smaller. And then we motion Josh Oliver into where CJ Ham is and run a CJ Ham play. Welcome to the Kyle Shanahan offense. This is how they get you. Uh, and then suddenly you're running something more up and down and they don't have the guy out there that they want for that, right? So all of the mic and force and stretch run stuff that they love to do with, you know, Shanahan loves to do with use check. We will love to do with CJ Ham. We can also do with a tight end. We, in fact, saw them do that all preseason. But let me talk about specifically the 12 personnel package, the two tight end package. Um, I'll start, I guess, with Zap which is a pretty clean version of, hey, there are two tight ends. Um, you line them up. This is what the Vikings basically spammed all preseason. And you just run outside zone strong to the two tight end side. The uh, advantage of this is if you just run regular outside zone, and let's say there's no skill players involved, so you just run it with five offensive linemen, just keep things simple. There, A, you have a one-on-one with a tackle on the edge rusher. That could be a problem, right? That guy could be a total dog. That could be Joey Bosa week three, right? Maybe we don't want a one-on-one Joey Bosa. Even if we like O'Neal and Darasaw, Joey Bosa is still kind of scary, right? So we'll give him a double team. And that's what you do when you usually put a tight end over there. And now suddenly you're double teaming Joey Bosa. But what if you want to use Christian Darasaw for something else? Because putting Darasaw in a double team is kind of a waste, right? That's what you do with like bad tackles, not Darasaw. Um, so let's put two tight ends over there and we'll have the two tight ends double team Joey Bosa. Now, tight ends on Joey Bosa is not necessarily great, but when there's a double team, they can cover each other's shoulders, and as long as they double it properly, there's not a lot that Joey Bosa can do about that, even though he's a much better athlete probably than both of those players. He's Joey Bosa. Um, And then you can have Christian Derrissaw climb up to a linebacker and go, you know, knock him into the ground. You can do all kinds of other stuff with your tackles if you have that. That is the point of Zap. And so Zap is strong, outside zone, to the two tight end side, the two tight ends there. And sometimes you can motion into it, right? You can have your two tight ends line up on either side of the line. One of them motions over and then you run to that side. That is called Zorro. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be two tight ends. That can be CJ Ham and stuff. And it's, this gets to the, the cat and mouse game of who do we want them to have on the field and what do we want to run against them? And let's see if we can bait them into doing that. That's what we talk about week to week when we're uh, talking about game plans and stuff. Um, but that is sort of the idea of the, the 12 personnel run game is that a skill player, a blocking skill player is what I'll call it. So a tight end or a fullback, a primarily blocking skill player in the run game is going to be a really helpful thing because it can protect your linemen in a way that they might need. We're bringing back Ed Ingram and Ezra Cleveland and Garrett Bradbury. Those guys get beat sometimes. So if we have a double team on Joey Bosa with our, our tight ends, now we don't necessarily need to leave Garrett Bradbury one-on-one with a nose tackle. We can have that be a double team because we, we already have one of the guys accounted for. And let's say they're in a normal forefront. So you've got, you know, three linemen versus R5. Well, you can double team two of those guys. And if it's outside zone, you can leave the backside guy completely unchained. He's not going to chase that thing down. So suddenly you can double team both tackles, both defensive tackles. And now you just have like a, a, a singular uh, left tackle or right tackle on a three technique. I'll take that matchup. Yeah, I'll take Darisaw on a three technique all day long. And then once you have those plays and they're installed and you're good at them, then you can start building off of that to start to get your run plays going. So now you can fake zap on a play action, right? You've got your two tight ends over there. It's Oliver and it's Hawkinson and they're going, oh, this is going to be zap. They're going to run this at us. Joey Bosa's getting ready to take on his double team. 
And then you, you have both of them chip Joey Bosa and then TJ Hawkinson runs out for a deep over and gets a 15 yard catch. Now you see why the, the TJ Hawkinson uh, role is so important to so many offenses, especially in this Kyle Shanahan world we find ourselves in. This is Hawkinson in the Kittle role. So if you're thinking fantasy football, TJ Hawkinson is going to be used like George Kittle and TJ Ham's going to be used like Kyle Juszczyk. That's going to be where we live now. Um, so I, I think that is more than justified for paying that guy market rate. And I don't think that it was any particular fleecing one way or another. I think the Vikings just locked up a good player and we love it when they do that because our team should have good players on it. And that should be the priority, um, which I think sometimes we lose sight of next week. Uh, I'll, we'll do some season preview stuff, but it's the week leading into a game, right? Uh, we'll have our crossover. We'll have our, uh, Friday stuff. We'll, we'll have Twitter Tuesday and all of that stuff. So I'm really excited about that. I will see you after the weekend. And as always, skull.